welcome to Swift Unscripted. Swift podcasts give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside story and be a part of the conversation about all means all with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. We're here today at the University of Kansas recording a live podcast on the topic of integrated, multi-tiered systems of support. And our guest today is Steve Goodman, and Steve is the director of Michigan's Integrated Behavior and Learning Support Initiative and a partner with the National Technical Assistance Center on Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports. He was the Michigan grantee principal investigator for the first OSET-funded model demonstration grant competition utilizing an integrated behavior and reading support model. Dr. Goodman has over 30 years of experience in the field of education as a special education teacher and a teacher consultant, and he has worked as a trainer for Michigan's Positive Behavior Support Project. He has co-authored several research articles and book chapters and has presented at numerous national and international conferences. Dr. Goodman is also on the board of directors of the Association for Positive Behavior Supports. He serves as an advisory panel for several statewide projects and has consulted with state and district level projects across the United States. And we're very honored to have you here with us today. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. Can you describe for our listeners what you mean by integrated multi-tiered systems of support? Yes. So when we talk about integrated model of, of a multi-tiered system support, we are specifically, uh, our work has been around reading and behavior. And when we talk about integration, we are saying that um, the content is integrated, the supports provided for students are integrated, and within a continuum of, of supports based on need. So those uh, needing more support, the intensity of, of that support is increased. Okay, great. So what is the rationale for really looking at the academic side and the behavior side together? I know some people kind of have these different systems that looking at those separately. So why are you guys saying that it's really important to kind of look at those together? Um, we see an interconnection between the behavior and reading. So for example, um, what what some research is suggesting is that when you integrate, you are it's more efficient for for getting the work done. Uh, instead of having multiple teams, you have have one team uh, working on that. There's a strong connection between behavior and, and reading. So if I am um, um, have difficulty uh, performing well on academic task, it may show up in problem by my behavior, so I can escape or avoid the task. Um, other reasons why we're looking at integration is because there's very um, there, there's similar uh, processes for the academic and the behavior in a multi-tiered system. So you, you look at data, you have a team approach for it, you um, act upon the data based on student needs. So there's multiple reasons why. Um, the connection makes sense. Okay, great. I think as educators, efficiency is always a great selling point for why you should be doing this. That's always important. And I heard you reference data. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, about the role that data plays um, within an integrated MTSS model? Yeah, we, we look at data at um, a, a couple different ways. Uh, one is at the student level. So what we're trying to identify is um, if, if, you're, if a student is having difficulty reading, um, performing well on grade level reading tasks, um, how much is that uh, contribution of, of problems with behavior? Is their behavior contributing to um, you know, the um, uh, lack of access or instruction? So we look at data to help us guide those, um, make those decisions. We also look at data to ensure that we are doing what we said we would. So if, if I am saying I'm implementing a multi-tiered system support, 
how do I know that I'm doing it right or how do you know as an administrator or team that I'm actually implementing the way it should be done and of course if I'm not implementing it well we wouldn't expect students to change right. or have the outcome and another level is at a school-wide level how well is our, our school implementing to meet the needs of all students and then also to provide better supports for those with more significant needs. And, and we can jump up data um, integrated at, at a, a district or a regional level as well. So we're combining both the data um, to look at the impact of uh, reading and behavior on, on a multi-tiered. Okay, so clearly data is playing an important role in guiding that implementation, but sometimes I hear our schools saying things like, we're drowning in data, <laughs> like we've got so much, and what do we do with it? Do you have any tips for educators and administrators on sort of some of the most efficient ways to utilize their data within their teams? Part of it, we keep hearing folks say that, um, you know, we are data rich but implementation poor right. of how do we act upon that. So what we have worked with school teams at a district or a building level to determine what data are currently being um, collected, how well do you, how confident are you that the, those data are accurate and, mm -hmm. and um, you can use those to act upon. Um, then the school teams can and the district can help us decide um, is there duplication right. in the data that are, are being collected? Um, what what can we combine or what can we um, get rid of? Um, what are the critical features? What we keep saying is we need something to measure the big ideas. Uh, so, for example, in reading, what is the big ideas around the phonemic awareness alphabetical principle, right. um, building blocks for reading, and big ideas in behavior. Once we measure those, how come we also need something to measure that we are doing it well, which is fidelity? So if we can focus on the core features of assessment, then we can start acting upon it more in a manner and, and look at, at duplication, what we can get rid of. Okay. And so you've talked about these teams looking at data. Can you tell me a little bit about what teaming structures you recommend within schools or... I mean, who's actually using this data and looking at it? At, at a building level, we have um, we have been working with building leadership teams. Um, building leadership team would be a representative of of the staff in school, so special education, early elementary or upper elementary, if it's at elementary level. Um, it would also be, um, you know, the principal would be involved in that. Um, that team looks at school-wide data. Um, another team would be at the district level that would be focusing on um, a compilation of, of you know, the data from different schools in the, in the district. And the whole approach of, of the teams looking at the data would be, again, collecting it and then doing something with it, acting upon it to make it right. better. So we want people on the team who understand the data but also have the authority to act upon it and, and implement plans. So you mentioned at the building level, that's what it looks like. So we know that this work doesn't just occur at the building level. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that the district plays in supporting this, or maybe even that the state plays in supporting the districts and supporting right. the schools in this implementation process, and how do they, how does it work across those different systems? When we first started doing this work, we focused on the, on the building level, and what we found is that schools can only go so far without the district support. Right. So districts um, can provide um, expertise 
that would not be available at a school level. Districts can provide efficiency of allocating resources um, you know, based on, on need across the district. Districts can also provide um, better support around visibility and uh, the political support and saying this is a priority which um, you know is limiting at a school level you know within the district and now you bump that up um, what we keep saying is uh, at the state level it's a level of coordination so you should be coordinating the efforts making sure that there's understanding at the district it is the allocation of resources and the uh, direction for the work to take place and at the school level is where the implementation happens. Okay. So when schools and districts start implementing this work, how, like we know that with so many initiatives in education, they come and they go, and it's just on to the next thing. I mean, how does MTSS sustain over time? Um, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good What do we do to so, make that yes. <laughs> Part of it, um, it has been interesting that folks talk about a tipping point, and a, a tipping point meaning that if we get so uh, critical mass mm-hmm. going on within a, a, a district or a, a region, that all of a sudden um, many more folks will, will come on right. and, and will we'll be good to go and will be sustained. Um, what What is happening is, as Rob Horner has been talking about it, um, that there may not be a tipping point in education to help move this forward. So once we get to a large enough critical mass, there we may be competing for resources from other groups, and we may be um, um, you know, no longer the shiny new object. Right. So what we have been focusing on then is how do we develop structures to support this that is aligned from the state to the district to the schools in those structures to ensure that this is meeting needs. Mm-hmm. So we're always bringing it back to the student outcomes. We set up conditions so that we can act upon the data to um, make sure that it is becoming efficient. You know, we always got room for improvement. And then how do we, um, uh, there's, there's always turnover in staff. How do we help new folks understand why this is important while keeping the um, existing educators on board. Great. So you talked a little bit about um, student outcomes. If you kind of, if you focus in on student outcomes, that's part of it. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the data that um, associated with the projects that you, the schools and districts that you work in that are implementing MTSS and what are some of the relationships you've seen to student outcomes? We, we have been using curriculum-based measures. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, specifically um, dynamic indicators, basically literacy dibbles. Um, we have used um, the Ames Web mm-hmm. uh, program. And for, for the um, uh, reading side, um, we actually have um, some folks from our team have compared those data with high stakes tests and found that it is correlated well as well as uh, predictable of, of outcomes. So um, we, we are and increased our confidence that these are, are good measures to use um, be, because they're, they're more frequent. We can use them frequently and uh, take less time. Um, so we use those within ActiPond data um, for developing supports. For the behavior, we have been using the um, school-wide information system, SWISS, and we also um, have been using the student risk, uh, the SRSS, um, uh, for, for screening purposes, 
And at a high school level, we have been looking for, at the early warning systems okay. to, to look at an, um, uh, attendance, uh, behavior, and course completion. So let's say a school or a district is wanting to get started with this, and they haven't really been implementing an integrated MTSS system. Maybe they've been doing some academic work or some behavior work. What are your tips? What is your suggestion about the steps that they take to get started for that? What advice would you give them on really building an integrated MTSS system? I I think I would suggest start out by identifying a team. with if you're going to focus at a, a district level that that would be a district exploration team that team would help to identify why would we do something different than what we're already doing why would we look at integration um, that that team would um, try to connect it to the needs of the student um, the the fit to say does it fit um, with a philo- philosophy of the school or our teaching strategies um, do we have the capacity to do an integrated model? And again, why would we do that as opposed to what we're currently doing? Um, from that team, then they would share the information um, to the administration and then move forward to start gaining uh, consistent con- um, commitment from you know, the different schools okay. to do the work. So I know you've been in this field for a while, and you've worked with a lot of schools and districts, um, especially across Michigan. Can you tell us any specific examples or stories of schools or districts that you've worked in and sort of the process that they've gone through and some of the outcomes that they've seen? Yes. um, So a a number of schools have have mentioned that, um, you know, what, what has helped is that they are, have a, a focus on student outcomes. So we hear many folks um, previously talking about zero tolerance for behavior. What they are taking the approach is zero tolerance for student failure. And what, what they mean by that is they're gonna um, put their efforts and create systems to ensure that all suits are being successful. So some of the um, differences that I, I've heard are, are, are people seeing outcomes for students, which, which is very exciting. We're seeing changes in how resources are allocated within the, in the schools around teaming and around um, making sure that they're intensifying supports. We are also seeing changes at district level where um, <clears throat> as you're selecting new principals, it may be part of the job description that they understand MTSS is important and how it's done right. experience. So in your process of supporting these schools, are there any lessons you've learned along the way? Maybe things that didn't work so well or things that worked really well <laughs> I, I think over the years? A, yes, I, I think a, a real important thing is that this is a process. It's, it's not something that you can send um, a group of teachers to a training and they come back and they implement it well. Mm-hmm. It is something you need to um, set up an environment so that folks can be ex- um, uh, you know, successful in implementing. Um, which means that you have leadership um, uh, to provide support for and priority. Um, I think it also means that um, there's a lot of coaching along the way because it is is hard work. It takes some time, and people make mistakes, so they need to understand what is working well and how to keep continuing forward. So you mentioned coaching. What is what does coaching look like from your standpoint when you're working with schools and districts? How do you coach them through this process? Yeah, so what we see coaching for is um, if you think about the training that typically um, 
folks would go to. As you're learning a, a new skill set, new, new activities that you can bring back to work with your students. What coaching does is it allows for variations around the contextual fit. And what I mean by that is I could go into training and hear this is what I should be doing um, for teaching my student to read. But when I go back in the classroom, I have students at all different levels, or I have different curriculum that was taught in the training. So coaching can help make that leap, that connection between the training to the actual setting right. and, and help with fidelity implementation. And another thing that I heard you saying was that this doesn't work. This doesn't happen overnight, and that's something that we say a lot in the work that we do with SWIFT. That this is a process. Right. It's right. Um, not something you just go in and that tomorrow <laughs> you figured it out. It's part of a process. One of the things that we like to ask is um, just what is your vision for the future? Like, if you, what do you hope to see out of this looking five, ten years down the road or even further down the road? What is your hope for schools across the country when it comes to thinking about multi-tiered system of support? King of the world. And yeah, if you could have it your way. <laughs> I, I, I think ideally a, a vision that I would have is we wouldn't necessarily need specific um, programs to help support MTSS implementation. Um, it would be part of the fabric of what we do. So it would be from teacher prep would be taught that this is what MTSS, this is what good teaching is, and it has these components of MTSS. It would be something that the districts would automatically, that would just be their way of doing things, their their procedures. And our work would change from this initiative that is supporting specific things around MTSS to how do we help create systems where that fabric of what we do, that the standard practice becomes something that will be sustainable, right. ongoing, that you don't have to um, even know it's called MTSS, you just right. do it, it's good teaching. <laughs> yeah. Just part of what everybody does, right. and that's such a good point that it's not just at the schools or the districts, it's also teacher prep playing a, a role in that and sustaining right. this over time, large scale. So, uh, as we come to an end, is there anything else that you'd really like our listeners to know about um, integrated multi-tiered system support and uh, any advice that you have for educators out there on the ground? (laughs) I I, I think, to me, it's a really exciting time. So, when when I I first started on education, we were just hoping that um, we can show some change in individual students. Over time, we were saying, no, it's not enough for an individual. How do we have more students doing it? And how do we make sure that it it, uh, lasts longer? So what I'm excited about the MTSS work is, one, it's it's really looking at the needs of all students. Right. I I think that's a very exciting time. I think the other thing that's so important within that is that we are setting up systems to help support staff to do it well. So not only are we supporting students, but we're supporting staff to be successful, which I think helps everybody as well. And what a perfect way to end, supporting all students. That's what SWIFT is all about. So so this is a great reminder for us of a multi-tiered system of support and an integrated multi-tiered system of support being a mechanism for supporting all students and meeting the needs 
of all students. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Goodman. We really appreciate it. And for our listeners, if you'd like to know more about integrated multi-tiered systems of support, you can go to SwissSchools.org and click on SWIFT Talk, where you can find lots more stories written by leaders in the field of school-wide transformation. SWIFT is a national K center that provides academic and behavioral support to promote the learning and academic achievement of all students, including students with disabilities and those with the most extensive needs.